1: We're taking a break from the podcast for just a second. I wanted to let you know that I know what you're thinking right now. Ever since basketball came back, you can't get buckets out of your head. And we're not just talking about basketball buckets. We're talking about Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets. You watch them. You crave them. That's how it works. I get it. You know, it happens to me all the time. One minute, I'm talking about buckets on the podcast. The next minute, I'm daydreaming about the $10 Mighty Bucket for Two. I mean, how could you get your mind off four pieces of chicken, two original recipe tenders, two individual fries, two dips, and of course, a popcorn chicken. But don't worry. It's normal even happens to most NBA players during games. So, just means you're hungry. Um, order your bucket online at kfc.ca and get it before tip-off. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. The show is presented by KFC. And uh, joining me on the podcast this week, Big V. What's good, man?
2: the much, man. Just trying to get some big buckets like Stanley Johnson.
1: Oh, buddy, listen. Stanley Johnson this week's is $10 uh, bucket f- Deal for two, um, you know, <laughs> but look at the stat lines right now, man. It's it's uh, no, he's given us a lot. He's given us a lot of content. Like, first of all, we should just say thank you to Stanley Johnson for, you know, as people you and I both are you know, obviously Raptors reporters and we had to create a lot of Raptor content. Mm-hmm. There's been not much else going on for the Raptors, right? Like the starters are resting. There's nothing to break down on film. There's no yep. stakes. Like they clinched the two seed very quickly. Totally. So we needed Stanley to step up the way he did. Uh, last two nights. So I'm just curious for you, like, are you going to write another Stanley breakdown? Cause the last one, I've never seen five points and two assists broken down with such detail as you did <laughs> yesterday.
2: <laughs> hey man, this, this is this is what you said, man. We're just trying to stretch the content as much as we can. Uh-huh. Um, honestly, Stanley was incredible against Denver again, but I think I got to show some love to uh, Paul Watson. Okay. 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 So I'm gonna I'm I'm give a shout out to Sandley, but you should. I think I think I'm gonna focus on Paul Watson and give him some love.
1: Oh yeah, I mean yo, pretty uh, didn't know he could drive that well for a guy that big. He can just like pick up the ball. and He's like pretty quick. Like he yeah, just he's like burst past with the handles.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's got, he, he's got a little John Salmons to him. Okay, okay, all right. It's just because he's wearing a headband. <laughs> is, that, is that it? <laughs> no, not I mean I, I, rap- I feel nice. like he's got like. In terms of size, in terms of like a little bit of shiftiness, um, and like he's unselfish, but he knows when to like just take it himself. I feel like when Salmons was actually a useful player, that was kind of how he was. Um, yeah, I feel like their bills are kind of similar too. All right, this is this is how this is, this is
1: how we really started the podcast with Stanley Johnson and uh, Paul Watson. Look, man, they've been great um shout out paul watson i, I like his decisiveness yeah he, he attacked immediately made good reads like it didn't really force bad shots which is really easy to do when you're with the third unit like there's not like a lot of structure out there um but yeah it didn't really force shots and then of course stanley man bro this guy's i, I i've already been kind of convinced into stanley might be the best the best eighth man option if we're just trying to t- replace McCaw. wow and and this is my case uh so Ronde has not been good in that role at all. Um Ronde as a power forward especially with uh with Serge has just not worked. It is really ugly spacing-wise. It forces Serge to be away from the ball, which is not what you want Serge for offensively. Mm-hmm. Um and then Ronde, you know, I think maybe it's because I saw him try to go up four times in traffic and <laughs> like and miss, but um the fact that Stanley can hit a layup and also dribble a basketball and pass like and probably defend at a similar rate, and maybe I think is a little bit better, but I don't know man I've just uh, have not been impressed with Ronde in the, in the bubble so far. It's been a lot of uh
2: painful decision and kind of uh, forcing the issue. he struggled, but I do think this sort of s- semi transition that they've tried to make happen for him mm. uh, as him as sort of a point forward where he's bringing the ball up and like i i thought I, th- I thought he actually was pretty good against philly where you know i thought he made some nice passes i thought you know with the dribble handoffs where he was setting screens for matt thomas i thought that really worked worked out well um so i think that's where he's useful it's just when he's gotta primarily play inside and off the ball i think that's mm-hmm. where he's such a negative for the offense you know it's it's it, it, that's when i think it gets tough for Rondé. so you know, again, if if Stanley can play that role... Because, again, Terrence is at his best when he's off the ball, right? You don't want him handling the ball. Right now,
1: Terrence is at his best on the bench. Uh, he has not <laughs> been good. And even, yeah. even today, when he had a hot start, he came back in and forced so many silly decisions. I could not believe it, but... Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Terrence is probably best off the ball. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if, if Stanley gets minutes on the ball, then... You know that's where he's at his best. How much he's actually going to be on the ball? Because I like I can't imagine a scenario where both Kyle and Fred are sitting in the playoffs. So mm. uh, I think from that standpoint, it's going to be tough for to see any use for Stanley. Because if he's playing off ball, I, I I just don't see the use for him. Yeah, no, that's 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 completely fair.
1: Um, all right, so now that we've covered the the three most important players in the rotation between Monday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Paul and, and Stanley. Um, yeah, I mean, so the Raptors. Uh, let's look at the let's look at their performance in the bubble first, and then second half of the podcast. Let's preview Raptors Nets. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, so the Raptors go seven and one in the bubble. Surprising to me, I thought they would go like five and three. I didn't think they would go as hard as they did. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also realized that uh, a a lot of the other teams in the bubble did not come back the same. And I'm looking at the Lakers and the Bucks. Uh, and those were two wins on the Raptors. I'm looking at the fact that the Raptors depth really stepped up, especially in the second half of the, uh, of the bubble schedule. And I'm just looking at the fact that the Raptors really all was looking for was in the eight seeding games was for like secure the two seed, which they did, um, beat the Celtics, which they didn't, but you know, that was a bigger point to securing the two seed. So whatever, that was more important. Um, you know, are they still elite defensively, which they clearly are, they were the best defense in the bubble by uh, quite some distance and is everyone going to be healthy at the end of the bubble which outside of macaw they are so i'm i'm giving this bubble performance a 9.5 out of 10 would be 10 if they just smacked the celtics or competed but what what are you giving out of 10 in terms of your bubble
2: expectations yeah i mean i think i will go a bit lower um just because I think over the course of the eight games, I would have hoped for a bit more rhythm from Serge Ibaka, a bit more rhythm for Terrence Davis. Okay. And so, uh, I think as a whole, when you look at the Raptors' results and you see seven and one, uh, you know, high, clinching the highest win percentage in franchise history, the big wins as you mentioned over the Lakers and Heat, that that definitely rates very, very highly. But going into the postseason, I would have liked to know that, you know, Serge was looking like Serge before the lockdown, that um, Terrence was looking like Terrence before the lockdown. And so with those two not quite looking their best, uh, I'll go a bit lower with an eight. Wow. I thought, I thought you
1: were going to say with Siakam, because I, I feel like that's probably the guy people are most worried about, um, but we can get to pa- Pascal in a second and sort of talk. Yeah. About no, what that's what's that's what's a too. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say if that, if, you know, if that's, that's a, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Pascal for sure. Um, let, let's first talk about Serge and, and Terrence. Um, I, I think for me, it looks like, I, I don't want to, okay. So in terms of basketball reasoning, Serge sharing a lot of the minutes with Rondé has not helped. I just think that, you know, he's had to sort of play off the ball, not his greatest. Um, I think also just Surge off the bench is a little tough. Well, not that he can't produce off of there, but I think it's probably just tough mentally to think about how, Serge is having a career year. He's getting all these accolades. People are, you know, saying a lot of nice things about Serge. You know, he's played amazing, and then he has to go to the bench. I'm not even trying to speculate. I'm just thinking that, like, that objectively, that'd be difficult to do. Like, it's just, you know, that's just a tough uh, transition. And then you put on the fact that, yeah, the rest of the bench, you know, they've really struggled to find that eighth man consistently. Um, and and yeah, so that's where I'm mostly looking for Serge. I mean, he, he's. You could say, like, yeah, he's not playing as much with Kyle or he's not playing as much as with the starting unit, and that's always going to hurt. But at the same time, there's nothing there that, like, I feel like Serge can't do off the bench. He's still out there with at least one or Fred or Kyle. And, you know, I don't know. I feel like he'd just be playing better, period. I I, I don't know. he just looked kind of lethargic, which was strange because he was great in the scrimmage. Like, do you see a reason why Serge is struggling or a reason why Serge would continue struggling into the playoffs?
2: Um... I mean, I, I'm with you in the, from the standpoint that I think he's just missing shots that he should make. Like, there's been a bunch of good three-point looks where, you know, he shot the three-ball mm-hmm. great all season, but he he hasn't been uh, as consistent with it in the bubble so far. And, you know, even, even around the basket, I think maybe there's a little bit of, as you said, just figuring out the comfort zone where his shots are coming from mm-hmm. and... Uh, that that that's something that all the bench guys have to adjust to, right? Like this is the first time in forever that the roster is fully healthy. And so we're seeing what the actual rotation should look like. And so uh you know, it it took Norm a little while to get going. It seems like he got going these last 3 games. Uh and with Surge that hasn't quite happened yet. Obviously he missed the last 2 games, mm-hmm. but uh hopefully hopefully the net series is a good way to get him going and that's i think that's sort of the benefit of clinching that two seed right like you get an opponent that's not formidable and so you almost have another uh you have a bit more of a leash to find a rhythm before the really difficult series to start
1: yeah i don't think serge is going to do well against the nets i just think First off, they don't really have any big men outside of Jared Allen, and Jared Allen's fine. He's a drop-back big man. He's always going to go back to protect the paint, and honestly, even around the paint, I feel like Surge can put his shoulder into him, get the hook shot off without a problem. And of course, the mid-range shot's going to be there too, pretty steadily, especially if the defense sags. So I think Surge might actually have a pretty nice bounce back in that that series. Um, Yeah, I don't really see that much wrong with Surge. I really don't. I think, you know, him coming off the bench, you know, he's got to create a bit more of his own offense. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Surge, you know, once in a while, just because the bench unit, again, they're just going to struggle to score a little bit. Those transitional lineups, the starters were pretty good. And then, you know, those transitional lineups were a little struggling. Even Kyle with the bench was kind of oddly weird and, and not producing. Um, in some of those matchups, I really don't mind giving to Serge like once or twice a game, just in the, you know, in the post, let him face up and try to attack a little bit. It's not the mm-hmm. prettiest thing, but maybe it'll just do a bit of uh, wonders for his confidence to to get that kind of trust. And he should really have more of a focus as uh, in, in, with the bench unit, especially if Rondé's not out there, because then you can involve Serge in a lot more pick and rolls, him screening for the ball. Like he's just more involved instead of like spacing out to the corners. Um, Terrence, I explain explain Terrence, man, what's going on with Terrence? Um, six points per game. In uh, the bubble, he played all eight games, about 15 minutes per game. A couple of games, you know, Terrence getting yanked early for Matt Thomas. Uh, Terrence also fouled out of two games, which is hard to believe in a bubble setting. But um, yeah, I mean, what's going on with Terrence? He just looks like a guy who, you know, he said after the zoom uh, after the you know the game today against the Nuggets, he said, yeah, he lost a little bit of his confidence in his shot. But you know, um, is is that what it is or? What are you seeing because it looks like he's making some pretty bad decisions um, on and off the floor right now,
2: yeah, it just seems like he's honestly not locked in like he's been zoned out mm-hmm. and i and I do wonder how much of that has to do with sort of the controversy off the court and mm-hmm. you know the criticism he received for posting you know the conspiracy theories about the masks um. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how much that got in his head and impacted his play. Uh, because, I mean, we've seen in the past that that he is someone that goes on Twitter and he does sort of keep track of what's being said about him. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he saw um, the negative stuff that people had to say about him. Uh, and so I wonder how much that was playing on his mind. And, yeah, beyond that, uh, I, I think he's just, you know, the, the, there's been times where he's maybe, you know, he started out slow, and then he's tried to get himself into it and get geared up, and so that's when now he's forcing the issue, right, and making mm-hmm. decisions and, for- and you know, trying to make things happen when they aren't really there. Um, and before you know it, he's out of the game because guess what? Everyone's healthy again. So, yep. uh, so, again, you know, maybe some of that is a rookie being uncertain of where his minutes are going to come from because, let's face it, when there were injuries – Nick kind of you know knew that he had to write him, and uh, that there were games even where Nick said you know so he got five minutes too long here or whatever it may be. Right? <laughs> uh, and so he's not going to have that that sort of leash now. And mm-hmm. so I think that's something that he's going to deal uh, going to have to deal with. I think you know again, the downs are as important to a player's development uh, as the ups, obviously. Terrence is a confidence player and I don't know how much he'll take from this last game against Denver but as far as uh the Raptors rotation is concerned if he can come in and knock down shots the way he was before the lockdown I th- I think that is an important aspect uh for the Raptors with you know with with only the core 7 kind of set
1: um okay so let me ask you this uh, let's say you're a Nick Nurse and you know, you're looking at your eighth man based on what you're seeing right now. Obviously, there's a big sample size to go off of earlier in the season, way bigger than just like the eight games here. But if you're a Nick Nurse right now and it's an important moment and you need to go to an eighth man, are you going to Matt Thomas right now or Terrence Davis?
2: Uh, I'm probably going to Matt Thomas. And I would say before I even go to Terrence Davis, I would figure out how to get Chris Boucher in there. Okay, because I think Boucher's been really useful when he's had the opportunity. Um, I think he's continued to improve from where he was coming into the season, and yeah, if there's you know maybe a bit of a funky lineup that you throw out there, uh, then you I, I, I'd rather rock with Chris Boucher right now. But again, uh, in terms of the guard spots, you've got Fred who's going to play a lot of minutes. You've got uh, Kyle is going to play a lot of minutes. You've got Norm looking good again, so he's going to take up a good chunk of the minutes. So may- maybe it goes the other way. Maybe maybe Nick, you know, as he's been saying for quite a while, he goes bigger instead of smaller. Yeah, I could see that. I
1: could see that. I, I think especially if Boucher shoots a three like he is right now, which in the bubble he is shooting. What is Chris Boucher shooting inside the bubble? Uh, fifty-three percent from three. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's that's very impressive. Uh, but you know, yeah, if he shoots three well enough, I mean, I think he could play some four in, in basically that, uh, that dual center lineup, as you mentioned, but you know, I I do think that one of Matt or TD will play though, because if you look at the rotation last year, the way they, you know, um, approach the playoffs, even though I think their guards at the time, I mean, you have obviously Kyle, Fred, uh, Danny green, uh, and, and Norm, Norm didn't play that much, but Norm still got like roughly 10, 11 minutes. And so I can see a kind of a similar situation, especially in the first round against, or, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Magic, which or the, the Nets, which we'll talk about. Um, you're probably going to do one of those guys. And I don't know, for my money, I'm, I would still give Terrence the first shot just because I think the upside with Terrence is a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you also have to respect the fact that Matt is playing so well and you got to give Matt his chance, too. I, I think, you know, it's been one of those things where Terrence gets the first shot, you know, you have like. Two three minutes. If you can do something good in those two to three minutes, if you don't, you know, if you make all your correct defensive rotations, then you could stay. If you if there's one or two mistakes in there, then we're bringing Matt in, you know. And I, were, right. I think we saw Nick kind of take that approach, um, in the eight seating games too. And I think, you know, with Matt, I mean, do are you seeing anything new in Matt's game that's um, making you feel more confident? Like, is it is yeah,
2: is there anything new that he's doing? I think just offensively, I would say that he's got that little dribble move now, um, mm-hmm. where, where he's able to, you know, maybe use uh, his his body a little bit and create a little bit of separation, whether it's going left, um, going right, and then just sticking that jumper. I think uh, he's added the. I, I mean, I think he's had the ability to make the right decisions, but he seems very comfortable just you know if they chase him off the three-point line taking that step inside and knocking down Mm -hmm. the big range shot and so i think that's important too i think you know a lot of times with you see this especially with three and d guys if you if you're defending them if you take away the three they can't really dribble then you know you've pretty much done what you need to and so with matt i think he's enhanced his value by telling defenders that hey you're going to have to do more than just chase me off the three-point line. They, he's added a bit more off the bounce where, you know, he, he's even a couple of times he's got to the rack and then been able to dish out. So um, I think that is an added value to his offensive arsenal. Um, I think defensively, he's still a major liability. Um, you know, we, we, unless he's defending Chris Middleton. It's good to say, man, I've been
1: reading your breakdowns, your player <laughs> breakdowns from the Raps Republic. You had one. I'm Matt Thomas after that career high game against the Bucks and uh Chris buddy.
2: <laughs> Chris,
1: what's going on? He has the greenest shot chart, but unfortunately he can't move anywhere. He's just it's pretty hilarious. He's pretty, just, hilarious. It's pretty he's just hilarious. Stuck where he is, man. It's actually really yeah. Um he would be really good if he could handle the ball, even just a little bit. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's been promising. I think even you know everything else, like just I think the confidence for Matt has been real high. Like to take some of these shots, like, you know, 30 feet pull up off a of high screen, or as you mentioned, full speed, you know, reading the defense, reading uh, like Eric Bledsoe's coming up right behind you. So you take one extra step inside the arc and still shooting that shot with all confidence, knowing that you're going to make that still like, um, he's played great. I especially if the Raptors bench, you know, struggles with half court offense, which they have done so far, then yeah, I think you can bring in Matt Thomas, just even if he's not hitting the shot to like, at least stretch the floor a little bit. Um, and then you just, I don't know, hopefully you live with the defense. Um, is there is there anyone else that... I mean, so I guess we should talk about Pascal at this point. So I feel like that's also a bit of the elephant in the room. Pascal, yeah. th- th- so he hasn't looked incredible. And maybe that's the issue is that uh, we've seen other guys look incredible. We saw Kyle look incredible. So we're not worried about Kyle shooting 40% from the field or like 32% from three.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or uh, we saw Fred looking... Actually, Fred has just been the best friend in the bubble. So we're not really about, worried about that. With yep. Pascal... We have seen that one game against Memphis where he made some great moves and he hit uh, the two threes to, uh, to to clinch that win. Yeah, uh, but we're we're kind of expecting like so much from Pascal. Like we wanted to see like some sort of like Kawhi Leonard game seven performance first before right. we can fully trust him again. Um, are you you know where are you with Pascal? Are you worried about Pascal? You know, or is this sort of like he's missing shots and
2: you believe in him to to, to pick it up? I think he's missing shots that he should make around the basket. I think um, he's got a little jumper reliant, especially early on, I think. Um, And I mean, this was a bit of a trend in the regular season in the games uh, that the Raptors were shorthanded. I felt like he was taking the jumper early because there wasn't enough spacing around him. And so Mm. it, it was like, okay, if I can make a couple of jumpers and force people to guard me, then uh, it's going to make things easier for everyone else, as opposed to, you know, usually when you're on the floor with Kyle, Fred and a bunch of shooting, it's made easier for him uh, because of the spacing. And so uh, I think he doesn't need to be as reliant on the jumper as he has been with this healthy Mm -hmm. starting lineup. And, but, but outside of that, outside of that, I do think he's been making pretty good decisions. And so I think that's why I'm not too worried. I think, uh, I think the main thing I was looking for was, you remember those games before the lockdown against uh, Golden State and Utah and Sacramento where he was making really good decisions late in the fourth quarter in terms of getting his, in terms of get, uh, attracting the double and moving the ball. And I, I I think we saw some of that against the Lakers. I think we saw uh, it sort of in sporadically through the rest of the way. So I think those signs are the most encouraging to me because at the end of the day, the Raptors have a very, you know, diplomatic offense. And so I think a a democratic offense. And so I think you're going to see a situation as much as we want to see Pascal sort of be the guy and take the final shot and this and that. I think he, this is sort of his sweet spot in terms of where his game is at right now. I don't think, he's at a level where he's absolutely the go-to guy in the final two, three minutes of the game. But I think he's found that decision-making sweet spot where he knows almost, he, he almost accepts, he has the self-awareness to say, okay, I'm not at that level. So let me do the right thing. If I can attract two, I'm gonna keep the ball moving and I trust that we have really good guys that can make shots. And then if they leave me one-on-one and I see a path to the basket, then I know I can get my shot. So I think that's where I feel comfortable with Pascal um even though the shot is not falling right now. And I'll say the other, the other reason why I do feel comfortable still and I'm not too worried is because I almost look at this Brooklyn series as like a continuation of the seeding games, right? Like I feel like yeah. the Raptors still have another four or five six games to figure it out. And so um you, you know, even when I say when you when you ask me who who's getting the first look uh you know Matt Thomas and I'm saying Matt Thomas or Chris Boucher I'm saying that if Terrence doesn't figure it out in this series against Brooklyn right because mm-hmm. I don't want to go into a series against Boston or Philly most likely Boston with Terrence struggling and still depending on him so for me Terrence still has the Brooklyn series to figure it out and if he figures it out great if not you know then then doors open for Matt and Chris and Maybe even Rondé and Stanley, <laughs> buddy. Listen,
1: the Stanley hype train has never been hotter than it is right now. Stanley <laughs> is like one of those penny stocks that is suddenly like tripled in value. Um, yeah, no yeah, OVL Stanley, baby, coming to a. I, I mean, I guess not coming to an arena near you. Staying in an arena far away from you, but uh, yeah, he's been good. I mean, with Pascal, like if you just look at his shot chart, like you didn't even have to necessarily look through the film because you if you go through the film, see some of the shots that he's making, uh, he's missing. You're just like. These are completely uh, makeable shots, right? Mm-hmm. We're looking. If you're looking at Pascal, Pascal last season had such incredible touch, yep. and I think generally speaking, Pascal's a guy that has great touch, um, especially like not just around the rim, but like in that sort of like n- it's like paint, but like not restricted area or like a little bit outside the paint on the baseline. Like he had great touch on those like 10, 10 foot little floaters, little push shots, little hook shots, something like that. If you look at his performance in that area this year, inside the bubble, he is shooting three of uh yeah fifteen. Like it's 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 nasty, and of course three fifteen is like something that you can just go through a bad stretch. And I think some some of it is he's just going through a bad stretch. Like there are some games where I'm a little concerned. You know, I think. The ability to, first off, I think teams have scouted him pretty well. I think um, a lot of teams have had a lot of time to look at a lot of film. I think a lot of defensive um, game plans have been pretty good. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, they're going under on on Pascal. They're really low in the paint. It's almost like a Giannis-style defense against him. And so he's kind of forced to take some of these jumpers, even when he's out of rhythm. The other thing I feel like is, he's just I don't feel like his handle is very strong right now. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's getting to the spots that he always wants to. And cool. he, first off, he's definitely not facing anybody up and trying to attack them and go from there. Even taking one dribble, making a move, trying to beat his man to the spot and get an open shot off. He's not really doing that that much right now. And especially where the handle is weak is if he tries to run a pick and roll, defenses are either doing two things. One, they're going like super back on him. And they're doing the Giannis pick and roll defense. It was just like, I'm going to stay at the free throw line. You're going to try to drive into me. Hopefully I draw a charge or at least force and contest your shot. Uh, and then two, if the defense is trying to be aggressive. They're like stunting on him and they're kind of poking at the ball. And Pascal right now is backing up a lot. And so he's not creating many advantages out of the pick and roll, which is, um, I don't know. It's a little concerning. I, I liked what they did in the Memphis game just because they gave him a, a variety of looks. Like they gave him like a little cross screen, got him deep post position, and then he can go up and score easily. You know, they they played him in as a pick-and-roll guy, but instead of him operating the pick-and-roll, he was, like, uh, screening and making decisions, which I thought is a, a nice, comfortable role for Pascal. They just never do that uh, throughout the game, except for maybe with Kyle in the fourth quarter. Yep. So there's things that they can do. I think there's still levels, but I think mostly it's just he's missing a couple of shots right now, and I just hope he doesn't lose any of his confidence. You know what I mean? Like, because that's the thing with Kawhi. Like, Kawhi could – man, I mean, like, Kawhi was garbage in, like, like that game three in Orlando – where I think Pascal had to come in and clinch it, maybe game three, game four, I can't remember which one, but yeah, Kawhi was shooting terribly. You know, he said he had his he was he had a cold afterwards or whatever. Um, but like at no point, you knew that at no point Kawhi's confidence was shaking. He's still going to be aggressive. He's still going to take his shots, and I, I worry if Pascal has the exact same kind of level of confidence in
2: his his offense because it is a little bit you know less developed. But right, I think you know I feel like it's not so much confidence because, I mean, you've even written about this, right? Where he's like very willing to embrace failure and go through the downs and know that he'll come out on the other side of it. But I think when he's struggling with his shot, he's such a good teammate that he's like, yeah, I don't have it. So, you know, Kyle, Kyle is better tonight. Fred is better Mm -hmm. tonight. Mark is better tonight, but there are going to be those games Where he's just going to have to fight through it. And so... um, Does he almost have that level of greed, almost, to just keep pushing?
1: Yeah. And uh, we're going to find out. I mean, look, listen. Pascal showed a lot of mental toughness. I'm I'm not trying to question his mental toughness or anything like that. Uh, Or even try to like read his mind or anything like that. It's just... Mm -hmm. All I know is, you know, Pascal went through some struggles last year in the playoffs, and he fought through those and, and, and persevered and had a really great finals against Draymond Green, a Defensive Player of the Year. So, I, I'm not worried about Pascal's mentality or anything like that. I think yep. that's where experience is really going to help him. Um, so anything else with the with the Raptors in the eight games? You know, um, Freds looked amazing. We know Freds really good. Yeah, uh, Kyle's been Kyle had some weird turnover issues, but for the most part, Kyle's been Kyle. Uh, Yeah, I feel like
2: Kyle just wants, you know, playoff games.
1: Um, Why did he have nine turnovers in that game against the Grizzlies? That was weird.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it it really was. I mean, it was just one of those. I don't know. Uh, OG, showing Mm -hmm. off the handles. Uh, I think he's he's shown just how important he can be in the playoffs, right? Like, you look at the way he defended LeBron. You look at the way he defended Bam. uh, I think he has set himself up nicely for sort of – the playoffs, the playoff, the Raptors playoff run, where everyone came to know who OG Ananobi is, right? And by everyone, we mean the states, um, right? And so, uh, the one thing I do have, uh, I, I have a question for you about Pascal. What do you mm-hmm. make of, you know, him like just being behind the eight ball and having gone without basketball for so long? And I feel like this is a really interesting period for him because every year. He's been able to take the summer, go work with Rico Hines, and come back a much better player. But you think about Mm -hmm. this stretch that he went without playing basketball, right? Say the Raptors make a run deep into September, possibly mid-October. There's been talks of the season after that starting in December, right? Yep. So that's not really time to work on your game because you're just looking at a month um so you know that that opportunity to improve might not be there for him for a while now it might not be there until you know the summer of 2021
1: yeah i mean that's you know that's real that's really concerning um i, I do think that at least with like that month off i think you know he could i mean i think he does i think everyone deserves a vacation after covid yeah, of course. Uh, hopefully, hopefully things can be fixed by then. I, you know, maybe I'm not that optimistic, but, um, yeah. I mean, you know, if it's a situation where you know everyone's back in Toronto and stuck in Toronto, I mean, I think Toronto's at a better place now where he can at least go to the gym and maintain some of those things. Like, I don't really see why he couldn't maintain his training. Even like, let's say, okay, so Rico's in the states, so he can't work with Rico, but like, he could still work with one of the Raptors assistants in Toronto at the Obio's uh, Athletic Center. Once he comes back, once the season is over during the off season, because I mean, you know, the way Toronto is right now, I mean, it's it's not like in April where everyone had to like just stay home, go
2: to the grocery store, go back home, right? Um, oh yeah, no question. Like he's gonna have time. I, I just mean in the sense that, like, as opposed to having a few months, mm-hmm. yeah, not have that opportunity. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's even, disappointing, even the, but even with the championship run, like you finish in June again, you don't come back till September ish, right? So. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you're making a great point, man. And uh, it's
1: unfortunate. I mean, it's some of it is just the reality of the situation we're dealing with. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Um, but that, that, is a, that is a good point. I mean, you know, Pascal has spoken about it before. Like he's, I think last year he took like two weeks. He went to like some beach and, mm-hmm. and then he like went back to work. And that's just the way Pascal is. Um, yeah, I guess actually the only thing I wanted to mention was uh, Mark. So it seems like Mark's not really scoring as much. Uh, so Mark's numbers right now. In eight games, so he played in all eight. uh, Shooting forty six percent from the field, twenty nine percent from three. Not really getting to the free throw line. Obviously, the slim mark thing has not necessarily translated to more scoring. Um, I guess we're we're holding out hope that there's like this. We know Mark can score. I guess if we need him to, we just have some for some reason. I've never needed him to, but um, I have to say though, his defense has been incredible. Like if there is a bubble defensive player of the year. (laughs) <laughs> a defensive player in the bubble or something like that. Um, it's Mark. I think it's Mark. Yeah. Uh, let me just pull up his uh, defensive rating while I'm here because, you know, early on it was incredible, um, you know, to, to start. And then, you know, after playing eight games, we're looking at Mark's defensive rating on the best defense in the NBA at 98.9. Oh, that's just, oh no, that's on the season. I should really have done this research beforehand, but it's cool. It's all all good, man. Uh, It is 91.8. That is incredibly good. Um, Somehow OG's even lower, but yeah. Mark's defense, bro. It it got
2: even better. He's incredible. He's just so smart. He's always in the right place. He's always uh, a step or two ahead of the offense, so he's calling out instructions for where everyone else should be, a player or two ahead of time, and it just keeps the Raptors in synergy. And then he does the same on the offensive end as well. So uh, he's so ridiculously valuable to this team. And then I think, you know, maybe offensively, like, again, they've tried to get him more touches Mm. and where he can just go at his men. And so he hasn't had quite the success, but I do like the idea of doing it because, um, I think we've seen a couple of times where he has been able to back down and then go to that fadeaway, away, uh, little sort of paint fadeaway, And I think that's a good move for him. He's able to create separation on it. So it's not really a contested look. Uh, mm-hmm. The three his, ball. His balance is a lot better on that shot. Oh yeah, f- for sure. Yeah. No question. The three ball, I think will come along. I think that's part of why he played, uh, you know, he, he was basically the only one who didn't rest, right? Like I think, mm-hmm uh he's just trying to find his rhythm because of the injuries he had during the season and mm-hmm. that's the other thing too i think honestly without the injuries he absolutely would have been an all defensive team he he should he should be on the all defensive team if if it not for her injuries
1: yeah um let's just look at the 8 games that he played um ad uh, what two for seven? Obviously, he wasn't the primary defender in AD, but definitely provided a lot of help. Uh, it's obviously mm-hmm. team defense against AD and LeBron, both guys shot under 50%. Uh, Bam obviously wasn't the primary defender there, but helped quite a bit against Bam. Bam had a you know, a rough night. Uh, you know, said that you know, the next he couldn't sleep that night, and the next day he uh, dominated the Celtics in a win um, without Jimmy Butler. Um, what else? Uh, then you look at Nick Vucevic, Game Three. Uh, you know how that goes with uh, with, with <laughs> Nick. Um, the Celtics game. Let's not talk about the Celtics game. Just on principle, uh, the what the Milwaukee game? Yeah, Milwaukee didn't really score well. Then it was and M- then it was JV or Embiid. JV. It was JV. JV scoreless. Okay, that was again unfortunate. Then it was Embiid who what he made one basket. And then today, Jokic um, only played ten minutes, but only took two shots and uh, made one shot. It was not against uh, Mark.
2: I mean, you know, <laughs> these are just the facts. Like, <laughs> yep that's that's just how it goes. And again, you know, like Kyle, you look at when Mark is, you look at the starting lineup that was out there against Denver tonight. Well, this afternoon, mm-hmm. um, Mark is a floor raiser when he's with those sort of mediocre to. Uh, whatever, you, you know, lineups you want to call it. Um, he's able to elevate everyone else's level of play. And so now, uh, you know, that that's part of why they got off to the start they did in the first quarter. And I think that's his impact, right? He, again, he's just able to make everyone around him so much better on offense, on defense, constantly communicating, telling guys where they should be. Like Fred had that comment, right? When he was kind of talking about his scoring this season, he, and he's like, man, Mark can shoot the ball. He just, mm. you know, he just sacrifices. And so that's why I have an extra five, six points a game. I wouldn't have that if Mark wasn't so unselfish. And so, um, I know we all would like to see him maybe be a bit more selfish, uh, with those three point looks when they come, when the defense is giving it to him and it's in rhythm. And hopefully that'll come along in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, Still holding out hope. Marcus all takes five threes game, but, uh, yeah. yeah specific matchups don't need them to score more nick even said that today um and i think you know you, like if you face philly you know i guess it's unlikely but yeah you know we'll we'll need him there i think the Bucks series you'll need him more there too but um yeah yeah so Raptors seven and one in the bubble you and i'm both you know pretty happy uh i, I give a higher grade you give a lower grade um you know we're gonna move on and talk about the uh the net series so okay so raptor's Nets man. Um, First off, the history of Raptors nets not great. Can we start there? Uh, <laughs> what are some of your favorite memories from the two thousand and seven playoffs, and the and then the twenty fourteen playoffs? If you have any happy memories from those two, happy memories.
2: Um... <laughs> this is cruel on my part. I am sorry. <laughs> I am hurting too. Okay. Well, okay. So going back to the Chris Bosh series, mm-hmm. uh, I remember so. You know, I, I I thought CB was like really hyped to be in the playoffs, and he came out, made a couple jumpers in game one, and then I think he was he was almost like he just had too much adrenaline pumping, and then he picked up two fouls mm. right there, and then he was out of the game, and then that's where the Nets kind of took advantage, and they were they were basically just smarter and more experienced in that game one, um, and then I thought the Raptors came back really well in game two, and then they like really grew as the series came along. I thought. I thought game six had the chance to be such an awesome memory. Yep. Because, you know, you had TJ Ford, who was doubtful to play. Um, I think Jose was kind of battling something a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, you, and like that Ford tandem was so important to the Raptors when they, they were, were good that day, man. I'm looking at yeah. the box score. TJ, 19 points great. in 15 minutes, bro. They were great. And then. Yep. It came down to that final possession where this is the thing. I remember it vividly. Like, Jose throws the alley-oop, and then Richard Jefferson steals it away. And you're you're literally just, you know, you you throw it six inches higher. Chris Bosh dunks it down. You're going Mm -hmm. to a game seven in Toronto. And who knows what happens there. And then... Uh-huh. yeah so Yo, and,
1: and listen by the way that that peanut that peanut of a man has uh has consistently made fun of the raptors ever since uh i'm talking about richard jefferson yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah. But hey the raptors have a ring so oh
1: wow yeah. wait he, he but he has one with the with the calves unfortunately oh yeah that's true <laughs> yeah yeah anyway whatever let's let's forget about that all right let's forget about that that, that was a ring chasing ring that doesn't count um t- <laughs> any any 2014 then- memories
2: So I was actually at game one um, against the Nets uh, and Paul Pierce and KG. And man, that game one atmosphere was Mm. unbelievable. I mean, Kyle recently on his Zoom conference, like he said game one was the loudest he's ever experienced. And I mean, I still remember uh, like leading up to the tip, like – it, the the ACC was legit shaking. That's mm-hmm. how much noise there was. And it was insane. And, you know, Kyle and DeMar struggled with that one. But that's where, you know, we got introduced to playoff JV. And yep. I, I want to say he had something like 17 rebounds in that game. 18. Uh, 18. Yeah. 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 So, Unbelievable. Yeah. You know. Against I'm, KG, too. Like, yeah, that's not easy. Exactly. All right? Not easy. Yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah. And then... I, I remember, I even remember him saying, you know, after the game, how he loved the atmosphere. Like it reminded him of how, you know, fans are in Europe, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, super fun series again, ended in heartbreaking fashion. Bro, after like, the Terrence Ross steal, I was like, yo, <laughs> oh,
1: so we're I was, really going to do this.
2: I was, I was watching that game seven uh, with a couple friends at my place. And I mm. promise you, one of my buddies, legitimately had like a brain aneurysm when <laughs> when Terrence Ross stole, uh, he, like, threw it, it off, like... threw it off. He threw it off Paul Pierce, right? And it yeah, went out. Like bounds, that, yeah. uh, and so the Raps got the final possession. I'm mm. telling you, man. I like, I was celebrating. My other buddy was celebrating. We turned back, and this guy, I don't know what, like, <laughs> he was There's always he was going that through that an out of body experience, and we were like, all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> no nah, that's hilarious bro um and then yeah it had yeah. to end
1: the way it did yeah it had to end the way it did man um Dwayne Casey drew the play up on the wrong side of the floor and uh <laughs> <laughs> never seen that one before very unfortunate timing for that um they had to improvise Kyle you know what I give Kyle so much respect because he broke through the initial double team on the perimeter. And it just so happened that Patrick Patterson was one of the guys spacing the floor. Not trying to slander Pat. He actually had 16 points in that game, 5 of 5 shooting, 6-6 on the free throw line, 8 rebounds. Great game from Pat. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this is before the knee injury, so he was actually pretty good. Um, But, yeah, I mean, freaking Paul Pierce just somehow knew to be – like, he's like the fourth defender on the play. Like, Kyle beat his man, I think, what, Darren Williams – or Sean Livingston, I forgot who it is, mm-hmm. and KG. He split both of them. He had an open shot, and then it's just for some reason, K, like Paul Pierce is right there. I hate Paul Pierce. Right? I hated him even more the year afterwards, and um, that was painful. That was painful. But um, you know, that was real tough. Uh, but no, this is this time is different. Okay, Raptors got to play the Nets every seven years. Uh, the time has come once again, apparently, and um, yeah. So this is a different Nets team. Uh, very different Nets team. Um. You know, I I was looking at the Nets roster to think who was in the NBA even when the Raptors played uh, them last. Like, yeah, like Jamal Crawford. I mean, guys were hurt. I mean, you know, Mm. obviously guys like uh, Kyrie or KD, you know, whatever. But, you know, this is just such a new, young Brooklyn team. And there's nothing Mm. to really go off of, really, other than the eight games that they played. And, you know... I got to say to people, like, listen, I know the, the the jokes are funny because everyone's making fun about Chris Gioza and, you know, this is such a random dude and, you know, whoever else is on that team. But at the same time, they play with a lot of confidence. They have literally nothing to lose and they have had some pretty decent results. I'm not saying this is a great team by any means, but they compete. They are they're they make you work. And this is not just me watching the um, the Portland Trailblazers game, which they uh, almost uh, kept Dame out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but i've seen a couple other games and they they're competitive first off i got to ask you not not even just not even to embarrass you but how many brooklyn nets games have you seen man be
2: honest okay so i saw the one last night uh-huh. yeah. uh huh yeah everyone everyone saw that yeah and 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 then i watched i i watched them against the bucks okay so they'll, yeah. they'll, that's it that's it yeah the bucks
1: could not handle uh chris jose <laughs> <laughs> they really couldn't handle like, Garrett Temple man. Garrett yeah. Temple was just working them. Yeah, no. uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, man. Um, yeah, which is again a totally reasonable answer because you were you, you'd be sick if you were watching the Nets uh, more than those two games, uh, or even those two games. But they, I mean, they're 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 not bad. I mean, I saw them play. Okay, so they they had some easy wins. You know, they played. Uh, Orlando. They played Washington, who
2: were I don't think did Washington win a game. Well, they actually they actually lost to Orlando, right? Yeah,
1: they played them twice. They played them twice. Okay. They, they they beat them once and they lost to them once, right. um, which is you would expect, it right? Though because their talent is comparable, right? Um, and then the, the big the best the best result they've had was the win they had against the Clippers, in which they scored like one thirty something. Um, and you know it, it wasn't a game where the Clippers were completely throwing like Kawhi played. And he played 37 minutes and he had a lot of great, you know, moments, but the, the nets kind of led for a lot of that fourth quarter. And, you know, I'm just saying they have some scrappy guys. So if you look at the starting five, Kara Silver Joe Harris, Timothy Lawu-Kabiru, um, either one of Tyler Johnson or Garrett Temple and then Jared Allen. Um, it's, it's not incompetent. Like th- those are guys that should be in the NBA and they're, they're doing okay. Um,
2: Right. If you have to pick one guy that scares you the most on this team, who is that guy? Uh, It'll be Karis Lavert. Okay. I think he had success against the Raptors in the regular season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he averaged over twenty against the Raptors. And again, as you pointed out, like they play hard. There was that game that ended up going down to the wire, where OG had to get the stop on Lavert to preserve the Raptors' win streak, mm-hmm. but in the third quarter they were the raps were up at least 15 yep. and you know the nets just keep playing they keep plugging away um, and i think that's who they've become as a team really scrappy and that that's part of why people kind of you know questioned where they were going with Kyrie and KD as things were you know as the controversy was growing and they eventually you know, got rid of parted ways with Kenny Atkinson. I think they sort of left their identity a little bit mm-hmm. in, in terms of who, who they had become uh, over the last couple of years. And it looks like Jacques want to some extent has been able to reinstill that, but mm-hmm. I think they are also like doing some things that are maybe unsustainable. Like Timothy things, the is averaging 15 points a game in the bubble. Yes, Uh, shooting 45 from three. Yeah, so I don't know how sustainable that is. Mm. Um, And then I I, I think the main thing that I would be worried about if I were the Nets is, again, the playoffs are all about matchups. Their strength has been, you know, pushing the pace, uh, a a lot of dribble penetration, uh, and then trying to feast off of that. Uh, whether it's kickouts or Lavert finishing or Jared Allen finishing, and those are all uh, strengths that the Raptors are going to negate. And so, when you take a good offensive team going up in a, a, against an elite defensive team, that mm. strength gets taken away. On top of that, the Nets aren't good defensively, nope. So it enhances the Raptors' offense. And just looking back on the series, season series again, you know Raptors took it 3-1, uh, and the one game the Nets took, it was just one of those nights for the Raptors, right? Like, Oh, yeah.
1: They had, like, they, 60 points midway through the fourth quarter or something like that. It was... Exactly.
2: like Yeah, it was garbage. Yeah. And so I just feel like it's going to take a lot for the Nets. Um, it's not going to take a lot for them to win game one because that's just what happens against the Raptors. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Listen... But, It's it's
2: literally game one
1: against the Nets with the game in the middle of the day. That is too triggering of a combination for me, man. Um, I mean, it
2: was just a year ago that I had to do like a thirty-minute walk with you, listening to nothing but Kyle Lowry. Really (laughs) scored zero (laughs) points. The man scored zero points. Zero.
1: Yo, I, was, I was I was yelling that through the. I sort of got it was echoing through the TD towers, man. Like, <laughs> as we as we power walked from uh, Scotia bank to the office, um, yeah, the man scores zero points, man. I don't know what I want me to say. Like, come on, bro, you got you got to do better than zero, and he did. So, congratulations, Kyle. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, game ones are weird. I, I do I do agree with you. Like, I do think that you know the Raptors obviously have the strong heavy hand in this one. I'm not thinking that it's going to be. Um, like, some sort of really competitive series where the Raptors have a chance of losing. Uh, But I I do think it'll be competitive in the sense that it's not going to be, like, a sweep kind of scenario. Even if it's a sweep, it's going to be, like, a narrow type of tight kind of sweep. Um, Yep. And, and, you know, for the Nets, like, I agree with you. I think, you know, they have, I would say, like, two, three plays. So, first off, they're just a good drive and kick team, as you mentioned, right? Multiple guys are willing to take the ball into the paint and then kick it out. Uh, Offensively, Mm -hmm. they kind of play similar to the Raptors, uh, except the fact that they have a guy in Allen who's mostly a dive man. So you're not getting as many passes from him. But I will say that, you know, so Lavert is a guy who's really crafty in the pick and roll. Um, yeah. You know, he can go both ways. Uh, you know, he's pretty clever at sort of just getting separation off the pick and roll because he can attack left or right. Sometimes he can reject the screen, but if, eventually he, he gets, you know, past the three-point line into the mid-range, pretty clever in the mid-range, like surprisingly strong for a guy who's like really wiry. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so that that's a threat there. And then the other threat is Joe Harris. Joe Harris has played amazing in the bubble, and it's not just catch and shoot stuff for Joe Harris, and it's not just threes for Joe Harris, because he's shooting 62% from the field, uh 54% from three. Um he's making what 3.3 threes a game, but that also means he's making five other field goals per game, which is just off cuts, off mid range shots. He's playing amazing. I mean, the West honestly, he's playing Clay Thompson esque in the bubble right now. Now I'm not expecting Clay Thompson as performance against the Raptors. We saw what Clay did to the Raptors. Clay is a different, very, very different uh, level. But uh, Joe Harris has, you know, he's he's been really impressive. Um, he's really used his opportunity well. Yeah, and and him and Jared Allen have a nice little two man game. It almost reminds me a little bit of like a super diet version of JJ Redick and Joel Embiid. Some handoff action guys. They're really good at you know getting open. Uh, they have like uh you know one two passing sequences. You know sometimes you know. Uh, you know, guys like Harris, you know, he will cut back door if they're getting top locked. And Allen's gotten really good at passing to him and fighting him on cuts. So, that actually scares me more than the actual Lavert pick and roll. Because I do think you can shut down Lavert, especially because he's not shooting the three well. But the Allen, uh, you know, uh, Harris pick and roll is just a little bit more dynamic. And there's, you know, more work you got to put into that. So, um, yeah. And then everyone else is just a three-shooting
2: kind of shooting guy. Drive it to the rim occasionally, but yeah. So I think the interesting th- thing that you pointed out about Joe Harris is like he's another example of uh, that guy who might get labeled as a three point shooter who's not mm-hmm. just a three point shooter, right? Yep. Like, he will, he has that ability to sort of take what the defense gives him um, and make a decision accordingly. And so I, I definitely. Um, Agree with you in terms of the d- danger that presents, and I think the Raptors, you know, I think they're gonna relish the challenge. Like, I, I really think, you know, the Raptors' defense as a whole, they they do take stuff personal when there's nothing to take personal. They literally they are the MJ, you know, and then got personal, and like you will have no clue what set them off. Like, you look at what they did to Kawhi early in the season um what they've done to ad what they've done to even lebron really struggled in that first game uh what they did to dame lillard uh what marcus all has done to joel Embiid. like i guarantee you caris levert over in this series is going to have one game where he has like less than five points Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and i think if you're just thinking about matchups i think you the big decision is so they do have two big wings right like i think one of the benefits of Harris is that he is pretty big. So, you know, you want some length to contest him as well. But uh, I think it's pretty clear that you put OG on Lavert and then you put one of Kyle or Fred on, on Harris. Both those guys are pretty good at guarding shooters in general. Um, would you agree with, with, with sort of the
2: matchups there? Yeah, I think, I think that sounds about right. Um Again, you know, I think the only thing that maybe throws that off is almost how much gamesmanship Nick Nurse opts for. Oh, bro, we're talking about gamesmanship within a playoff
1: season? That would be next-level stuff, man.
2: No, but I'm saying, right, like, in terms of, like, when the Raptors play the Celtics, he gave them no video to work with. And now, again, if he's thinking, I don't want, you know, the Celtics or Philly to really have much to work with, and, you know, we have enough to beat these Nets anyway... And he just like throws some random matchups out there that it's like, okay, you know, this should, this should work. Um, that's, that's the only way I'll see, you know, the matchups that you mentioned um, not, not playing out, yeah. but yeah, again, you know, uh, as you mentioned, uh, with Jared Allen really being the only big, this, this really is uh, the series for Ibaka to get going. So yeah. uh, hopefully that happens. I hope so too. Um, I'm already
1: predicting right now. Surge and Rodion's Kurucs get into some sort of like fake fight. Uh, I mean, hey man, man,
2: Surge Surge knows now you only get one game for the headbutt. Oh, listen,
1: yeah, no, Serge is Surge is shaving his head as we speak, bro. He's getting that Zidane look ready. Right? <laughs> <laughs> He's just waiting on someone to talk shit about. Um, what 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 happened with the Zidane thing? Did that, did he ever reveal what happened? Like,
2: yeah, he did. Like this big. Interview in France. I uh, okay. was like televised. And yeah, he said, Matarazzi said something about sleeping with his sister. Oh, uh, yeah. That, yeah that'll do I, y-
1: you know what it is? Okay, so I'm, I am root for France and uh, I was watching that game. And first of all, obviously that's a red card, uh, clearly. But <laughs> I will have to say, none of the referees were watching what Zidane was doing. Oh, no one knew. Except I think, I think they, they showed it on the jumbotron, and so yeah, they were exactly. like, they they did VAR essentially, and they were like, oh, okay, we have to give him a red. Yeah, obviously it's a red. It, you know, it's a horrible situation. He should not have said what he said. Uh, Italy won the World Cup on that, basically. You know, yeah. obviously some great defense went into it too. Some very enthralling one nil wins, I guess. Um, sorry, all the Italian listeners, <laughs> you guys fully deserved it. Okay, but whatever, fine, but I am just saying, man, none of the refs actually saw that. That was
2: an illegal use of VAR. Um, But, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that that was rough because um, I think, if I remember correctly, France had just subbed off Henri Mm. right before that. Right, right. And so it was like, you subbed off Henri, now Zidane's got the red. And Mm -hmm. so those are two, you know, it ended up going to a shootout. Yeah, exactly. Two big penalty takers. So, yeah, it was just a tough situation, man. Like. Yeah, technology kind of screwed Zizou there, but it, and I mean, I mean, crazy. come on, though. I mean,
1: it is also he, he might have not had to headbutt the guy. Like
2: Yeah, you know? it was it was it was definitely the right decision that happened, but uh-huh. you know, we've seen people get away with stuff like that at the World Cup before. I mean, mm. Yeah.
1: Shout out Maradona, man. To put that handball in while uh, the uh, the Malvinas War was happening is uh is, is really truly an incredible moment. Shout out, uh, shout out Maradona. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so the Raptors Nets, uh, somehow less interesting than um, the 1986 World Cup. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Alfonso Davies, man. We're gonna talk all oh, this. Shout out to all babies, yeah. no, actually, oh, listen, bro. He, is oh, man, I hate to say this because you know, Tr- you know, Trent alexander Arnold exists right now. Um, is he the best wing back in the in in in, in soccer right now? Um, Cause like first off, what position does he even play? Because he plays like he'll play on the like just straight up as an attacker, right? But he'll also play as like more of like a, uh, like a defender as well. I mean, I don't know, man. Sometimes they're in the midfield too, because Bayern can play like five midfielders, like, yeah, I don't get it. But he wherever I,
2: he plays, he's killing it right now, man. Man, bro, like, Sameta props, props to Bayern for getting on top of the Davies signing asap. Yeah. Like, man, I keep thinking about if United had Juan Bisaka on the right and Davies on the left right now. Mm. oh Ooh. come on you're not you're not a fan of luke shaw <laughs> oh, come <laughs> on buddy <laughs> oh man um but yeah you know I, I i think he i'd rather have him than robertson too yeah i mean robertson just doesn't have that like the, the kind of creativity like
1: the work rate is pretty much the same and robertson's work rate is the best like his yeah. best attribute and he's a good he crosses the ball nicely too but
2: but Davies right now,
1: track Ooh. back two is insane.
2: Yeah, like his speed is just.
1: I mean, he's breaking like speed records in Bundesliga and everything like that. And then just like the way he's attacking, right? Look, look at the way he dribbled through. Like you, <sighs> uh, it's look, it's uh, it's it was hilarious watching that Barca game. Uh, obviously, I you know it overlapped with Raptors Nuggets, so I had to snail you know, Stanley Johnson took precedence, but. Um, Going back out watching the highlights and seeing Felipe Coutinho score two goals against Barcelona, who bought him from Liverpool for like an absurd <laughs> amount of money. <laughs> yeah, it was just incredible. And then I just saw this tweet that uh, there's a clause in the contract, in the transfer contract agreement where if Coutinho wins the Champions League with Bayern Munich, Bayern, Barcelona has to pay an additional five million pounds to Liverpool. <laughs> Yo, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'm, I'm cheering for Bayern the whole way, man. Listen, uh, you truly, you truly ate to see it. <laughs> yeah, no, we're just gonna return that right back to them for Thiago, uh, you know, and we're gonna reload our midfield a little bit. But um, yeah, Raptors Nets. Wow, why is it so hard to talk about the series? Is it's, it's just tough, man? Oh, uh, who, who, who do you think is gonna guard Tyler Johnson?
2: <laughs> 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 oh, shit, that's the, yeah. that's the matchup for Terrence Davis, man. There
1: it is. Mm, yeah. Um, if you had to pick a a Gerald Henderson candidate right now off this list, now someone mentioned to me on Twitter that this whole team is Gerald Henderson's, which I kind of agree. Uh, If you had to mention one, if you had to pick one Gerald Henderson from the Nets, that's going to haunt the Raptors,
2: uh, who would you pick? I think Garrett Temple seems like a perfect Gerald Henderson. Okay. Like he's just such a, you know, He's a good vet to have mm-hmm. on your team, but yes. you don't expect him to do anything mean- meaningful on the court. But, you know, it'll be game one, and he'll make like seven threes, and everyone's going to be like, <laughs> what just happened. Okay, so he's, he's he's you're already pegging him as the DJ Augustine
1: type. like he's, <laughs> And he's going to disappear the rest of the series, but he's gonna, always going to have that one game, and he's going to yep. stress us out for that one game. Yeah, I, I see it. I, I'm thinking Tyler Johnson. I feel like I've seen him make a whole bunch of contested jumpers. And he's a lefty, so it's maybe a little bit more tricky. Uh, and he's going to be going against the Raptors' bench, which has weaker, um, weaker scores or weaker defenders. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, but it could be anybody, man. This whole team is Gerald Hendersons. Like, this is absolutely correct. Like, if Chris Joseph comes out, just completely torches, um, you know, Terrence Davis or Matt Thomas for like five minutes, you know, he could be that too. So,
2: um, Nick know, Nurse if- is going to be yelling at a timeout. You guys are making Chris Joseph look like Dame Lillard.
1: Do you do you see that clip where uh, Garrett Temple was was telling uh, whoever it was, I think probably Jeremiah Martin, um, how to guard Dame Lillard? Yeah, he's
2: like, I don't care if it's Michael Jordan over there. You pick this man up.
1: <laughs>
2: no, that's a that's a that's a great quote, man, because he's shooting from the NBA, which is
1: yeah, no, that that's sick, man. The NBA is crazy because that logo. I mean, yeah. the way the yeah the way Dame was shooting, it's it's been incredible. Um, Game is insane. Yo, listen. When was the last time we saw something like Dame, man? And by the way, uh, shout out to the Nets for giving up the pick that was Damian Lillard for one-year rental of Gerald uh, Wallace, who was completely washed. The Nets did not do anything with Gerald Wallace. Uh, he, I don't even think he played much against the Raptors in that seven-game series. They signed him to like a five-year deal, a four-year deal. Complete waste of money. And again, they gave up on Damian Lillard. And they haven't had a—I well, mean, they have Kyrie now, but— you know, it's it, not like that. Gerald like Wallace party.
2: was like, Gerald Wallace was the time of peak Gerald Henderson. Yeah, yeah. He was like, him and Gerald Henderson and like, Ramon Sessions on the Bobcats. Oh, God. And then they beat the Raptors there and be like, oh, God damn it.
1: <laughs> okay, but to be fair though, we, we, we're throwing out like Ed Davis and Solomon Alibi. Like <laughs> We weren't doing much either, right? Yeah. Um, what a kill to have, have John here. Henderson back then, though. And now, now we're here, we're, yeah. Now we're, we're here. Not. So, um, yeah, I can see Siakam really working in the series. Uh, he's probably getting guarded by Timothy Luwawu Cabarro. He should have a significant height advantage there. And if they double team Raptors, obviously have good shooters. Um, yeah, I'm just hoping for Siakam to find his rhythm. I think this is a, a, a should be a nice confidence builder for him, but we'll see. Um, in terms of their centers, like you know, Mark's the best pick and roll. Defender as a center, pretty much in the entire league, so I expect him to see heavy minutes. But I could also see, honestly, with the way the Nets sometimes play, with it being like four out with Allen diving to the rim, I could see honestly some Siakam at center minutes too, some lineups there because mm. I kind of almost prefer for them to downsize than upsize in this series. But um, I don't think you can go wrong. I think Serge is going to do well. I mean, like it's not like anyone's specifically going to struggle in this series. You know what I mean? I like guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just going to be, like, are the issues from the seeding games where, you know, certain guys maybe just a bit more lethargic or just aren't in a flow yet. That's It's not going to be the Nets, like, stopping someone or shutting down someone or limiting someone or taking away something, right? It's just going to mm-hmm. be the Raptors themselves, I feel, kind of struggling. Because let's face it, again, the Nets are not a good defensive team. What are they? I think they're, like, the fifth or sixth worst defense in the bubble. So...
1: Uh didn't do anything to Dame last night, that's for sure. They are uh sixteenth out of uh twenty two. Some of the other teams, Washington, Sacramento, uh have already been eliminated. Um Wow, Denver really struggled defensively. Uh, hundred and twenty two defensive rating. Yikes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, I don't I, it's hard to expect much from Brooklyn in this series. I mean, kudos to them going five and three in the bubble, but um There's a reason the Raptors are playing a bunch of 130 games, and it's not the Raptors. It's the Nets. Yeah.
1: All right, so uh, it's come to this time. uh, Series prediction. um, You know,
2: uh, what do you have? Uh, You know what? Screw the game one curse. Okay. Okay. I
1: love it. I love the confidence, man. say Raps in five because you got to give these Nets some credit. I could see them, honestly, one game hitting like 21 threes. And they win that game. Because you know what? The Nets have competed against the Raptors this year. You got to give them their due. And uh, that is the shot that
2: the Raps give up, right?
1: Yes, it is. And who knows, man? As you mentioned, you know, Garrett Temple, seven threes. If it happens, you know, you got to blame Big V over here. (laughs) Um, You know, Adam. uh, But, you know, Vivek M. Jacob. But, yeah. I would give them one. Just because they're a tough opponent. And I don't feel like the Raptors are, like, that kind of, like, dominant team. That just, like, has that sort of, like, essential superstar like LeBron who just like crush your soul or like Giannis who can you know crush whatever the Pistons have you know so um the defense, just... is,
2: the defense is the soul's uh, crusher man okay the, the soul sucker okay
1: I mean I agree the defense is a superstar for the Raptors uh if you know I know it sounds almost like a diss but it's it's true but um yeah I'll give them one game just out of respect, so. Uh, that was for the podcast. Uh, Raptors Nets. We're both predicting Raptors win. Finally, it'd be nice to beat the Nets. I know it's just the Nets, but like you know, at least to have one win on this franchise. Uh, they have caused the Raptors a surprising amount of pain over the years, and um, be nice to, to to take them down. Uh, you know, but again, like I mentioned, man, the Nets—they're they're scrappy, they're competitive. You haven't heard of half the roster, but you know, some of these guys can really play. Um, uh, and then, yeah, quickly, Champions League. Uh, who's winning Champions League?
2: Oh man. I mean Bayern the way they cruised past Chelsea and Barca, mm-hmm. it's gonna be hard not to pick them. But man It's an interesting year this year, man. I I, I hate saying it, mm-hmm. but I think I think this is City's year.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like I th- I think that City bayern match is gonna be fire. Yeah. If City if City can get through.
1: No, I agree, I agree. that. I mean I mean, essentially, we're talking. I mean, it depends on how much you buy into PSG. I I think, obviously, like with Neymar and and uh, Mbappe, like they could. I mean, they could really torch anybody, though. That's the thing; they're so freaking dangerous. The two of them. Yeah, you saw like the way that game changed against Atalanta. Like, oh yeah, heartbreaker for that that club. They've had an amazing run. Um, Yeah. I mean, honestly, when Mbappe came on, it was like they were they were just gonna bleed a goal. Period. It was they were beating them every single time. Um, but yeah, I mean, PSG's I don't know midfield wise right now. I mean, who do they start? Herrera?
2: Come on, bro. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, we let go of Herrera, so. <laughs> I was gonna
1: say, That's man, like, yeah, there's uh, the creativity in the midfield for them is is not great, but obviously the forwards are incredible. Um, Leipzig yeah, upset,
2: man. Leipzig upset. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see.
1: I mean, they're well coached, man. Shout out to uh, what thirty-three-year-old Julian Nagelsmann. Like that's that's unbelievable, man.
2: Yeah, that first goal they scored was really nice.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, who was it with the with the cross? Um, I forgot Sabitzer. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's a. Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. It just as a Liverpool fan, it was nice seeing Atletico Madrid uh, have their hearts broken. Not that it like I I wasn't like heartbroken after that the, the way they beat Liverpool because it was so long ago now, <laughs> but uh, that was a pretty embarrassing defeat. But um, yeah, no, it's just I, I don't I don't like seeing Atletico win just because it's just like it's it's just miserable football, man. Yeah, it's nice. misery football, and then like you know Diego Costa
2: like flops.
1: I mean, that's kind of how
2: Diego Simeone played his whole life, right? Got Beckham that red card, yeah,
1: yeah. So I, I just don't, I don't root for that kind of uh, football. But no,
2: I, mean, I think it's gonna be great, man. The Champions League this
1: year, it's gonna be really fun. Um, hopefully, I, honestly, I am rooting for Bayern um, only because of that the five million dollars. But you know, whoever wins, I mean, it's it's gonna be really fun. I, I'd,
2: I'd actually be pretty happy for Neymar too if, if, if PSG won. But um, yeah, 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 I mean, Mbappe would just be on top of the. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. How old is he now, 21? Like, he, he already has, like, a World Cup one on his belt.
1: Uh,
2: he was on the cover of Time Magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. he's it ball, man. That's unbelievable, bro.
1: I couldn't even believe it. Like, I thought he was hurt. Like, didn't he get hurt? And so he comes off the bench. And then yeah. he's, like, as quick as possible. Some of those yeah. turns on the touchline is disgusting. It's
2: Mbappe disgusting, at 80% <gasps> is, like, basically Davies at full strength. Mm-hmm. It's like the speed is just insane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Big V, you've been doing incredible work. Uh, you know, Thanks, tell man. people what you've been doing, where they can find you, and uh, you know what to expect moving forward, man. Because seriously, bro, like I, I can't retweet you enough, man. It's it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's a banger after banger right now.
2: Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, with the seeding games, I started doing these player breakdowns after each game. And again, I'm telling you, man, it's getting competitive out here in this Raptors media space. So it's like you have to keep evolving. You have to keep finding new ways to get better. So um, that's something that I thought I could do that I could be sort of synonymous with. Um, Because I think, obviously, you've built a reputation off, you know, 10 things in the pod. I think Blake's done a great job with, you know, with him doing that Raptors recalibration in the playoffs. After every game, which is like must read content, so I feel like everyone kind of has their thing. Um, you know, we, we see Brad with, with too much hoops doing the defensive breakdown. So I thought, you know, maybe this individual player focus after each game is something where I could build my own kind of niche uh, outside of the just the general writing that I do. So yeah, you can look out for those player breakdowns after each game at Raptors Republic. I'll be doing other freelance content for Complex and a little bit for Sportsnet too. So you can look out for all of that. I'll be posting all of it uh, on my Twitter where you can follow me at VivekMJacob. There you go. Can't recommend it enough. So
1: um, Thanks everyone for listening. Again, um, that was your Raptors Nets preview. I think we might have got like 15 actual minutes of Raptors Nets. And, yep. and then, <laughs> and then but, 30 minutes you know. of Champions League. Yeah, it is what it is, man. Listen, uh, Champions League, very exciting right now his uh, Nets probably not that exciting. Hopefully not that exciting to be honest. Let's just hope it's an easy series. But uh, you know we also know better. So um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to KFC for sponsoring the podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to uh, actual playoffs. Man, damn, it really uh, crept up on us.
2: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.